Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Chapter 5. Uh, and how many were here last week when we talked about performance-driven identity? I received so many testimonies about healing and deliverance um, that I want to, listen, church, look at me. I want to encourage you to be a little tenacious in your faith. All right? Don't let the devil keep beating you down with some things. And I, uh, this is part four of my identity series, and it has been life-changing. How many agree it's been life-changing? It has been awesome. Identity is everything, really. Uh, and so I, I just want to encourage you. Now, we, we are going to have some testimonies today from Mariah and uh, some other people, but we'll do that next week, Mariah, because the Holy Spirit just wrecked this whole place up. And I hate that we're under contract, so we have to cut some things short. But just want to let you know before we pray, we, we, I had some testimonies about what uh, scheduled today about what God has done in some people's lives that just came uh, from maybe far distances and some that have been here for a while. And how the Lord has used this ministry in just two months to bring total reformation and healing in their lives. Because once a month, and I'm not going to do it this week, but we're going to start it next week. Uh, we're going to have an extra building fund that we're going to ask all of our church. You guys are all family because we want to lovingly get out of here and look for a place of our own. Can I hear an amen? And uh, so we want to cast vision just once a month to, to the Bible talks about tithe and then they talk, they talk about offerings. So the offering is above your tithe. It's not going for me to get a Lexus. It's not going for me to get a new house. I promise you that. It's us forget this, the, the house of God to be uh, upgraded. And so we're meeting this Thursday, me, Donnie, and Waldemar, uh, we're meeting this Thursday with a, a realtor uh, on Thursday at a, a Panera Bread. And then the following Thursday, we're reading, me and Donnie are meeting with another realtor because we're being aggressive and proactive to see what the Lord wants in this city. Amen? All right. That was five amens. Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Oh, I'm excited about this message today. It's going to bring such deliverance. Uh, this is part four of our identity, and I did this intentionally, by the way. The Holy Spirit says start the new year by restoring identity because I'm here to tell you and announce boldly, church. If you know who you are, the devil cannot steal anything from you when you really know the scriptures and the, your identity is firm. So many things are attached to identity, your confidence level, your boldness. Everything about identity, when that is healthy, everything, I say everything on purpose, everything else about your walk with God will be flourishing. I'm going to share something today with you with part four, and I may end it today because I could keep preaching on identity for the whole year, but let's just pray because I want to get into the word. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for our RCC family. I thank you for wholeness. I thank you for gifts being stirred. I thank you for their involvement. I thank you this year is the year that you resurrect them out of the, the mud and the, the, the mire of their spiritual hiding place. I'm asking you to resurrect and blow upon their gifts again and restore families and restore their identity. Anoint your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, now this is a popular form of scripture. This is a popular form of scripture, but I want to go ahead and uh, release this because I want to entitle something in a second. Therefore, verse 6, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him for he cared for you. Now, I don't want to go deep into that. Maybe in another time I will, but I saw something about this. He says, cast your cares upon him. Say cares. Now, this is fresh hot oven. This is not what I'm going to speak on, but I want to tell you a prelude of the next sentence. We've, we've read this next sentence for years. 
but I realize it's directly connected with our inability to cast our cares upon the Lord. He says, cast your care upon the Lord, your worries, your anxieties, your, your concerns, because if we don't, look at the next sentence, be sober, be vigilant, your adversary, the devil. I love how he calls him your adversary, the devil. He calls him by name. Walks around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Now, I, I want to just have you look up at me here. Because the main thing that the devil seeks to devour, hear me now, because we get a lot of Christian colloquialism or Christian slangs, especially in the charismatic world, like the devil stole my joy and the devil stole this and this stuff. Like, like, like the devil is walking around with jars of joy. Like, oh, I got Donnie's joy, I got Joy's joy, you know, and I got Waldy's joy, and I got Christina's joy. Yeah, I got them. I got them. I stole them. But the main thing that the devil tries to steal and devour is your Christ-likeness in God and the purposes of God in you. The main thing that the devil tries to destroy and steal, he's a thief to come to steal, come to destroy, is not just your joy. Yeah, that's part of it. But the reason he steals your joy because he first steals your identity. If your identity is stolen first, then your joy, your peace, and your passion will be stolen in addition to that. But he just doesn't steal joy in and of itself. He goes after your identity. I'm entitling this message this morning, Recognizing Spiritual Identity Theft. Because if you've ever been a victim of identity theft, how many of you have ever been a victim of that? It, it, I, I went through that six months ago for the first time, and it was the most humiliating, it was the most vulnerable experience of my life. Why? Because here's what happened. I left my wallet at Starbucks, good old Starbucks, on a Sunday morning. I never go to Starbucks on Sunday morning. It was in the midst of our transition from Mohawk, so I had a lot of things on my mind. So I went to Starbucks. I got a little early. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to Starbucks. I left my wallet with my ID. Now, in your wallet, you have your ID, you have, unfortunately, like me, because I was a knucklehead, I had not only my credit cards and my debit card in there, I had account numbers written on a piece of paper, yeah, in my wallet, so I could remember the account number, because I don't remember the account number. So I had my account number, my debit, everything. So I, I, I was thinking about something. This was about six months ago. I got up my coffee, and my thoughts were just consumed by what I was thinking about, I got my coffee and I left, and then we had a meeting at OHOP. Five hours later, I checked, and my wallet was not there. And guys, it was a Sunday, so all the banks were closed. Do you understand the desperation I realized? I started looking at our bank accounts, and they, the thief were going to town on my identity and on my credit cards and on my debit cards and liquidated almost everything. They went to town, they went to get Nike, $700 of Nike online. Then they bought another thing for $200, and I couldn't stop it because it was Sunday. I couldn't call a bank because all banks were closed. And I'm trying in desperation to try to, to, to call the banks to stop my, the, the, this process of stealing my identity because somebody was acting like me that wasn't like me. And the reason that they were going to town on my finances and liquidated almost everything, I got it restored, praise the Lord. But when I finally got through, about an hour later, by calling some special number, because they kept saying, you, the waiting time is 15 minutes. I got, they're going to town right now. Could you imagine knowing that thieves are going to town on your credit card and your bank account and you can't stop it? 
that happened to me. And I was desperate. And there was a sense of urgency and desperation. When I found out that my identity stolen, I was going to preach here a little bit, I got desperate. I think we need a movement in the body of Christ that we sometimes don't realize that our identity has been stolen. But when you do, sometimes it's been too late because the damage has been done in your heart. But there needs to be an urgency again to try to get our identity that has been stolen. But I'm here to tell you, the enemy can only steal what you give him access to. You know why? Because I gave access to the thief by being negligent and not protecting and guarding and watching over my identity. When you are negligent and not watching spiritually over who you are, when you don't remind yourself every so often that you're a child of God and that you're a daughter of the king and that you're a priest and kings unto the Lord, if you don't realize that that's who you are, the enemy will seek to devour your identity and therefore go to town in your spiritual wallet, your spiritual bank account. And he's draining the spiritual sap and the spiritual joy. That's how it happens to us. So tonight, today, I want to I give you about three different stories of how to recognize spiritual identity theft. Why? Because identity theft in the natural is one of the highest crimes in America. Did you know that? Identity theft, there's, there's, I think there's one out of every three or one of every four people are suffering from identity theft right now. They don't even know it. There's people that are just going to town posing to th be them. But always remember, there, there is always an opportunity for the devil to steal your identity. But he can't steal your identity if you know who you are. He only seeks, listen, listen what the scripture said. He roams around like a roaring lion seeking what? Seeking who? Who he may devour. That means he can't devour everybody. He seeks who he may devour. So those who are not paying attention or not spiritually alert, that's why the Bible says, be sober. In other words, can I just be honest? Wake up from your spiritual slumber. Start reading the word again. Start praying again. Because when you start getting into a spiritual stupor and going in through the emotions, the enemy's like, oh, this is perfect opportunity. Snatch their identity. And I have a couple of points, and one of them is going to be on the screen. And I'm going to share something that you probably not heard in all these weeks that I've talked to you about, which is this. Number one is this, that your identity is linked. I want you to hear me. This is going to be so powerful. Your identity is linked to your destiny. I'm going to say something powerful here. You're, gonna, you're looking at me weird. I don't understand. I'm going to explain. Your identity is linked to your destiny. When your identity is stolen, part of your destiny is stolen. Now, some of you guys never heard that before. When your identity is stolen, your destiny is stolen also. What has been planned for you to de be destined with is also stolen. And I'm going to share with you how biblically this is true. Because if we don't guard your, your identity, guys, please hear me now. The things that you have been destined to do by God can be very hampered and hindered based on your identity being stolen. You're, always remember this. Your identity and your destiny are linked. Say identity and destiny are linked. Now, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 27 because... I'm going to read a lot of scriptures. I'm going to read 1 through 4, then 6 through 12. You, you just can follow me. Uh, how many have ever heard of the story of Jacob and Esau in the Bible? How many have never heard that story of Jacob and Esau? Just be honest. You've never heard the story of Jacob and Esau. Okay, most of you are, are familiar with this. For the last couple of weeks, I don't know why. I kept what I've been praying or I've been just watching TV or something. I just keep hearing the whisper, Jacob, 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 Esau. And so I started looking at this, and, and the Lord was trying to show me something in here. I want you to see through this scripture, please hear me now, how identity was stolen and therefore identity, sorry, destiny was changed forever. Hear me now. This is scary. Your destiny can be changed forever when your identity is stolen spiritually. Ooh, that's scary. 
right, now watch this. Look at Genesis 27. Look at 1 through 4. It's going to be up on your screen. If you have your Bibles, go with me. Follow, highlight, color it, whatever you want to do. Verse 1 through 4 at first. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim that he could not see that he called Esau his older son. Now, now remember, Isaac, the patriarch, called Esau first. Okay? His older son had said, my son, he answered him, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt game. Game is another word for food. So th- some of you guys are new in the Lord, like, what, PlayStation? No. He wasn't getting an Xbox for him. <laughs> hunt some food for me and make me some savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat so my soul, watch this, may bless you before I die. Now, this is a spiritual, a, a spiritual symbolism of a father wanting to give the last blessing. I want you to hear some little side note. God says in his word that whatever he speaks shall not return void to him. Right? This is a story that the father was about to bless Esau and whatever came out his mouth was going to stick to whoever he blesses. For, listen, for the rest of his life. Don't tell me identity doesn't change your destiny. For the rest of his life, Esau would have been blessed because of the father pronounced the blessing. Now look, look at this. Verse 6. Look, jump, jump over to verse 6. So Rebekah heard this, spoke to her son Jacob, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me some game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. This is the mother. According to what I command you, go now into the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for the father. Now, I want you to see the deception being played here. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that, I, I may, that he may bless you before his death. Okay, so, so Jacob did that, and, he, and, and, and he, he started going to that. Right? Perhaps my father will feel me. L- sorry. Look, Esau, my brother is hairy, a hairy man, and I, I'm a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me. Esau was a hairy man. Jacob was a mama's boy. He stayed at home. Okay? He was a gentle, he was a, but he was conniving. He was a deceiver. Jacob means deceiver before he got encountered by God. He switched identities when God encountered him. Look, Esau, my brother is hairy. Now, I... It, 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 and I shall bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. Look at verse 15. Look at verse 15. I'm getting somewhere with this. Then Rebekah took the, clo- the choice clothes of her elder son. This is an identity swap in the spirit, okay? I want you to see this as a symbolism. Rebekah took the clothes of her older son Esau, which were with her in the house while he was out in the field, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And he put the skins of the, of the kids of the goats on the hands of the smooth part of his neck. Could you imagine that? Cutting animal skin and putting it on his neck to deceive the father that was going blind so that the hairy part of the animal could feel like Esau. This is deception and identity 101. Now, but I want you to see something that's very powerful here. This is going to be this is going to open your eyes to to not being passive about your identity because your identity will affect where you go and it will affect your destiny. So look look at this next verse. So he went to his father and said, I want you, I'm going to read this slowly so you realize this. My father, this is Jacob. He's going, he's going right now to Isaac. My father, here I am. Who are you, my son? He couldn't see. Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. Say it one more time. Say Jacob. Said to his father, I am, identity, Esau. Swap identity. <laughs> Watch this. I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise and sit and eat. 
of my father's game that your soul may bless me. Look at, jump down to verse 30 because of time. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob. And Jacob has scarcely gone from the presence of his Isaac father. Now he received the blessing that was supposed to go to Esau because he looked at an opportune time where Esau was not guarding his identity. He went left out and he swapped his identity, stole his identity, pretended to be Esau, and now received the father's blessing. Now watch this. This is crazy. All right. It happened as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob scarcely gone out of the presence of his father Isaac, that Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. And he also made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly. He knew it was happening. He knew he just got played by his son Jacob. He got deceived. He started trembling because he knew that he couldn't take the blessing back in those days. Do you hear me? He says, he started trembling exceedingly and said, who? Where is the one who hunted game just now and brought it to me to eat? I ate all of it before you came and I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard this, he cried bitterly and said, oh, my father. He but he said, your brother came with deceit. This is a type and shadow of the enemy. With deceit and has stolen or taken away your blessing. Your brother came in with deceit. Notice the word deceit. The enemy will never appear to you with a red fork and a red tongue and a tail. Because then you will know. I mean, he would never come to you in an ugly form telling you to go on his side. The Bible says he transforms himself as an angel of light. So he uses smooth words, smooth things, even people that look good. Come on, somebody. People that look nice and handsome and pretty and say that the things that you want to hear about yourself. All for the purpose of waiting for an opportune time to deceive you. Because here is a classic example of Jacob de deceiving his brother Esau by selling his own birthright earlier, which you didn't read. And not only selling his birthright, but by stealing his identity. And because, hear me now, because Esau's identity was stolen, Jacob's destiny and Esau's destiny took two different paths from that moment on. From that moment on, Jacob's destiny, because of the false identity that he portrayed, came to be one of the three main patriarchs of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, by which the lineage of Jesus would come through. And because of the deception of the identity being stolen, Jacob, throughout the history of his generation, his destiny changed in one moment. Why? Because he was acting like someone that he didn't, and, and they were, it was vulnerable, and they got took advantage of. However, you know what Esau's destiny came? From that day forward, Esau's destiny, because he failed to guard his identity or his identity was stolen, went to a very dark, very dark place in his destiny to the point where all his generation, even to this day, his lineage hate the children of Israel. The lineage of Esau hates the Israelites because of that one moment. Could you imagine that? Thousands of years ago, now thousands upon thousands of people that have been birthed through the lineage of Esau now are direct enemies of the children of Israel because of an identity swap. Oh, that, that was good. 
do you realize that we can't play games with this? Do you realize that you have to guard your identity because the devil seeks to steal your identity? Church, he's not, he's not trying to steal your money. I'm going to say that again. Although trying to steal money. He can't, he can't. He's not trying to steal your money, although the enemy can be used by that way, but he's not trying to steal that. He's not even trying to, to steal your car or your house. He's not even trying to steal your family. He's trying to steal your identity because when you lose your identity, you lose your house, you lose your family, you lose all these other things because you start crumbling. Oh, my God. Do you realize what this means? The devil is an opportunist. I said the devil is an opportunist. You know what he'll wait? He will wait for an opportune time to when you are sleeping spiritually. Watch this. When you haven't been fervent in the word of God. Come on. I'm going to preach on this side because they say more amens. <laughs> when you are lull or dull in your spirit and haven't prayed for a while, he's an opportunist. Listen, the greatest thing I can tell you right now about the enemy's power to steal is that he waits for an opportune time. He seeks who he devours. He just, he is not, he, listen, he's defeated, but he's not stupid. He is very wise, and he will wait till you have lulled in your spirit and not having word time, not having prayer time, not having worship time, and he will begin to question your identity and steal it. That's why he's an opportunist. He will wait and wait and wait until the opportune time. And then you will realize that this story is an example that your identity is a doorway to your destiny. Your identity is a doorway to your destiny. As a matter of fact, who you are will determine. Listen to this. Who you are will determine where you go and what you can do. I want you to write that down. Where Who you are will determine where you go. And what you could do, you're looking at me like I'm weird, but I'm going to tell you, try, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe that your identity, your physical identity tells you where you could go and what you could do, if you don't believe that, try this week. Here's a challenge for you, identity challenge. Try this week with the identity that you physically have, try going to the White House and knocking on the front door with your identity that you have now. Try going to the White House and say, hey, I I, I voted for that guy. I'm going to go. Hey, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm, I, I, I'm known in my church. I'm known in my city. I want to have a meeting with the president. You'll find out real quick what your identity can and cannot let you do. You know what? You're going to be in handcuffs. <laughs> because your identity, hear me, church, dictates where you can go and what you can do. Your identity is very powerful. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to hone in on me. However, there's a difference between your destiny and your assignment. Oh, that's so good. There's a difference between your destiny, because if identity is linked to your destiny, then we have to talk about destiny a little bit, okay? What is your destiny and what is your assignment? Many people, dare I say, even at RCC in this morning, are confusing for years your destiny versus your assignment. And they're two different things. They feel a lot alike. But what a lot of you are praying for is actually your assignment. And you're praying, oh, Lord, uh, my destiny is to fill stadiums. No, that's maybe your assignment. Oh, my, 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 my dream is to be on this worship. My destiny is to lead people into worship. That's not your destiny. That's your assignment. My, my dream is to be one day a fiery preacher, a revivalist. That's your assignment. And people di dictate this. So what is your assignment? Your assignment has to do with specifics of what God has called you to do. Your destiny is linked with who you are in relationship to God. Do you hear what I just said? So then what is your destiny? 
I'm going to give you your destiny right now. You say, Pastor George, you don't know my destiny. Yes, I do. I know your destiny. Listen, I, I don't know your assignment, but I know your destiny. You know what your destiny is? You're going to shout, hopefully. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, their soul, mind, and strength. Your destiny is to walk in freedom without any bondage or addiction. Your, your, your destiny is to be salt and light of the earth. Your destiny is to infuse people with the presence and the power of God everywhere you go. That's your destiny. That's not your assignment. Your destiny is how can I love Jesus more than I can ever love him. That should be your destiny. Don't confuse your destiny or, or your assignment. Now, when your identity is stolen, both your, uh, your, identity, sorry, your destiny and your assignment can be drastically put on hold. Oh, I'm going to encourage you this morning. Are you getting something? Look at me for a second. I'm going to share something with you powerfully that you have never known. As a matter of fact, I, I, I was meditating on the Lord, and the Lord actually just gave me this a couple days ago. Do you know that even your gifting is linked to your identity? Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to say that slowly. Your gifting is, is linked to your identity. Why? Because God gave you unique gifts that are, are placed to you as an individual. He says, I want George to have these gifts. I want Victor to have that gift. I want Donnie to have this gift. I want Stephanie to have these gifts. And when you stop using your gifts, you lose part of your identity and who you are. Why? Oh, this is good stuff. Because when you stop using your gifts, your gifts are actually linked to your identity. Do you know that? Because God did not give me your gift and he didn't give you my gift. We're special, unique people. And he says, I want John to have this and I want Rosie to have that. And you know what? You may not do what he does and you may not do that, but together you're going to cause havoc for the devil. Do you realize that, oh, that because identity theft in the spirit realm has happened to the church, we've stopped using our gifts. We've stopped using our gifts. And I'm not just talking about the gifts of the spirit, which is the, the, the sermon and speaking in tongues and prophecy. There's, there's nine spirit, uh, gifts spirit. But the, the actual service gifts, there's some people in here that have hospitality gifts and you haven't opened up your home. There's some people in here that have giving gifts and you're scared to give. There's people in here that have gifts to, to serve the body of Christ in a special way, but you are waiting for someone to affirm you. Let me tell you, if you are not operating your gift, please hear me now. I'm going to set you free. Part of you is drying up and part of you is dying. Do you know that Jeremiah tried to stop his gift? He's like, I no longer going to prophesy because every time I do, you tell me to say it, and you're the one who tells me to say it, and I say it, and they throw me in prison, and I'm in this muddy place. It wasn't prison like we know now. It was prison like you're in a hole. And he said, I'm going to stop. And all of a sudden, a couple days, a couple of months go by, he says, okay, I tried to stop, but it was like fire shut up in my bones. There's part of you that dies when your gifting dies. Do you realize that your gifting is actually uniquely tied to who you are? There's a very uniqueness about your gift. That's the beauty of God. Everyone in here has your gift. When you, stop, when you let the enemy steal your identity, he steals your gift. And when he steals your gift, you lose part of that. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? When your spiritual identity is stolen, now hear this. This is the second point I want to make. We, you and I, will make foolish decisions and unwise choices that don't line up with who we are in Christ. Oh, this is good. I want to shout at you, but I'm restraining myself. <laughs> when your identity is stolen, remember those commercials when people are like acting a certain way and they're like a man with a man's voice, a woman with a man's voice, and it's because uh, of credit fraud, right? 
What's happening is the devil is painting himself to be you, and you're letting him. Here, here, watch this. When you and I, please hear me, when you and I have a spiritual bump on our head and we get to a place where our identity is stolen, here's what happens. We, please hear me, I'm going to set you free here, start making foolish decisions. Have you ever, have you, look at me, have you ever seen a man of God or woman of God just be out of character? Huh? Have you ever seen a man or woman of God just like, what, what, what happened to them? You know what happened to them? They started making foolish decisions because they forgot who they were. Are you ready for this? I'm going to prove it in Scripture. Look at 2 Samuel. Oh, this is good. I'm going to go to about 12.05 today um, because I really need to drive this home. Is that okay? 2 Samuel 11. Look at 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. Are you there? Say amen. Oh, this is going good. Wish we didn't have time restraints, but it's all right. It happened. Are you there? Say amen. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1 is going to be up there. Or look at it in your tablet. It happened in the spring of the year. By this time, David is king. Look at, look at what I just said. Hear me before we read this scripture. When your identity is stolen, you and I will make decisions that we will regret. Please hear me. Oh, God, I don't know why, but I'm feeling the Holy Spirit on this. When, you, when your identity is stolen, you will make a quick decision based on temporary pleasure and then will regret it. And you have five minutes of pleasure and sometimes a lifetime worth of pain for five minutes of compromise. Look at this. It happened in the, uh, the spring of the year at the time when kings go to battle. Kings go to battle in spring. That David, the king, sent Joab and his servants with him and all his servants and they destroyed the people. In other words, he stayed home. And, all the pe- and, and they destroyed the people of Ammon. And besieged da- Reba, Re- Reba. But David remained in Jerusalem. Everybody say David remained in Jerusalem. One more time. David remained in Jerusalem. Why is that significant? Because it says in the time when kings go to battle, why did he stay home? He was supposed to be in the battle. Let me pause and say when you're at the wrong place at the wrong time, that's an opportunity for the enemy to steal who you are and open yourself up to temptation. Major temptation. So David wasn't even supposed to be there. He stayed home. Guess what happened when he stayed home? He made a foolish decision. Look at this. But David remained in Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof of the, uh, the, uh, saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, this is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife. She was married. Of Uriah the Hittite, then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him and lay with her. That's a fancy word for, you know, what's happening there. They just had sexual fornication. I mean, it's true. For she was cleansed for her impurity, and she returned to her house, and the woman conceived. So she sent and told David, I am with child. Look at me for a second. This is a classic example that when you forget who you are, you will make foolish decisions that will have severe consequences in your life. Can anybody relate? When we get tired, we get cranky, and we allow the enemy to steal who we are, then we make foolish decisions, and all of a sudden we go, oh, by that time we got to deal with it. God will forgive us, but then we have to deal with the consequences. Hello. We have to deal with the consequences. He opened himself because he forgot that he was a king. 
And his identity dictated how he should act. Do you know the identity? Your identity dictates how you should act, too. Not only where you go. Your identity dictates how you should act. I'm not trying to be uh, insensitive, but a terrorist by nature is supposed to terrorize. A robber is supposed to rob people. A thief uh, steals people. A child of God displays the presence of God everywhere he goes. Do you understand that your identity dictates what you do also? If you're a child of God. So David traded, traded, I want the worship team up here if you can. He traded a momentary pleasure and forgot, he forgot that he was a righteous king. And righteous kings don't stay home during battle. And righteous kings don't sleep with other people's wives. Woo, preach Pastor George. I know, I know, I know. Listen, listen. Righteous kings don't stay home. He forgot he was a righteous king and all kinds of floods of temptation he yielded to. Why? Not because the devil was more powerful than him, because he was an opportunist and seized his identity when he was weak. If he would have gone to battle, none of this would have happened. But he made a foolish decision because he forgot, I'm a righteous king and righteous kings don't do this. Righteous kings don't do this. He sacrifices destiny for a momentary moment of pleasure. Let me just tell you something really, really loud and clear. You and I are the byproduct of the choices we make. Life is about the choices and decisions you make. Stop. Quit blaming people for all the things that are happening in your life. Take responsibility and realize to stop blaming what happened in your past for your identity. Come on. Say amen. Sooner or later, you need to quit blaming everybody that's done everything to you in your past and start letting the word of God dictate who you are. Not uncle so-and-so that did this to me and, and, and sister so-and-so that did that to me or my ex-wife or my ex-husband. And this is why the way I am. No, no, no. You have control over your destiny. It's time that we take, we take responsibility of what's happening in our lives and stop blaming our past. That's a great, that, I'm not being insensitive. I'm just saying that's a cop-out for many Christians. If the Lord created the world in six days, surely he doesn't need two years to deal with your past. I, I'm, not, I'm not being insensitive. Please, please, uh, please hear me. I'm trying to pass you. But I'm saying we, we, we elongate the process because of our own excuses. Are you kidding me? God who created the world in six days needs two years to deal with your past? No, it's you not taking responsibility that, yes, this happened to me, but I'm not that person. I'm not that person. Listen, I, I just got this now. I saw this in an illustration. Come here, Waldy. Come here, Kadani. This is not in my notes. Come here, come here. Here, here I, I saw this. I saw Stephen Furtick say this one time, and it just blessed me. Stay right here. Stay right here. Turn this way, all right? I need one more person. Come here, come here, uh, Amanda. No, no, face that way, face that way, come here, you face right there, all right, so Amanda, stay right here and face him, here, here's identity 101 here, this is you right here, all right, this is where you want to be, this is where you want to be, and many of in the body of Christ, get a little bit backer, get a little backer, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. stop. Many of you are beating yourself over the head because you feel like your identity is stolen and all this stuff. And you're just like, man, I'm not, I'm not where I want to be yet. And you keep beating yourself up with this identity crisis and, and making d decisions that are foolish like King David. And you're constantly comparing yourself where you're not. But what you need to do is turn around and realize that there's such a different little gap to what you want to be than what you used to be. You, you, may, not be, you may not be where you want to be yet, but if you turn around... And you look how much progress you made. This used to be you. Come on. 
This used to be you, and you're way further away from that, and, and you keep beating yourself, turn around, you keep beating yourself over the head because you're more focused on what you're not than what you came from. Come on, give it up, give it up for Jesus. Thank you, guys. That's how the devil steals your identity, by constantly causing you to compare yourself to your past or to where you're not. You know, the biggest thing that the Lord has done in my life is deliver me, not from demons, thank God, from comparing myself with other people. One of the, one of the greatest deliverances that happened in my life is about not comparing myself. Oh, this is so powerful. The main thing that the devil wants to steal is your identity, is your identity in Christ. He's a thief, and he wants to steal your identity just like he did Jesus. I want to end this with this powerful statement. I want to end something. I feel the freedom of the Lord in this house. Do you realize that Satan, I want you to hear me now. I'm going to close with this. That the devil had three bazooka blasts ready, just three. Imagine if you only had three shots at doing anything. You're going to reserve your best for that, right? You're not going to have little things. You're going to say, if I only have three shots at doing something, I'm going to get the three best realities to have. The, the first time that Jesus and Satan appeared face to face on the earth, Je Satan, the devil, met Jesus, the Son of God, face to face on the earth, and he gave him three main temptations. I want you to look at me. This is gonna, you're going to shout at this. Do you realize what that was really about? Satan did not come to Jesus to tempt him with sexual fornication. Satan did not come to Jesus to tempt Jesus to get more money. Satan did not come to Jesus and offer him some new drug of that day. The main reasons of the three bazooka blasts of temptations were if you are the son of God. If, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. In other words, performance. Prove to me who you are as a son by doing something for me. Sorry, I almost tripped there. <laughs> Edit that part. Sorry, let me go out there. Do you realize that the three temptations were about attacking Jesus' sonship? Church, do you know what this means? If the devil had enough guts to come up to Jesus and say, and have the audacity to say, if you are the son of God, do this. I'm going to break these three temptations down. But not only was this an attack on his identity, try to steal his sonship, it was the timing. Everybody say timing. See, the devil's an opportunist. He's not going to try to get you when you're strong. Hear me, guys. He's going to get you to Doubt. Everybody say doubt. The no, one of the main things that the devil uses to steal your identity, now I'm going to preach here for the next 10 minutes. You say, how does he steal your identity? By not only having an opportune time, by getting you to doubt if you are a child of God, do this. If you are a woman of God, do this. If you are a Christian, you should have prayed more. If you are a man of God, you should have had more in your money, in your bank account. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. The timing of these temptations reveal everything. You know why? Because, do you know when these temptations occurred? They didn't just occur in happenstance. These temptations occurred moments after Jesus was publicly affirmed by his father. Oh, my God. This is so good. 
Jesus comes on the scene, gets baptized by John the Baptist. The heavens open up and a voice comes from heaven and says, Behold, this is my beloved son, identity, who I am well pleased. Hear him. The very next verse. Guess who, guess who was there in that crowd? The Pharisees? The, 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 the hungry people, people that needed salvation. So many people were there listening to the echo of heaven. But guess who else was there? The enemy, the devil. So, oh, the father just publicly affirmed his identity. My job is to deaffirm his identity and question his sonship. If you are the son of God, turn, do something for me, perform for me. Look at me. Do something so that I can prove that I'm the son of God. Now look at what the scripture says in closing. The scripture says something powerful in Matthew chapter 4. Actually, let's just go to actually verse th th chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to keep on reading. Are you guys getting something this morning? If you're there, say amen. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God ascending like a dove, alighting upon him. Other translation says, at that same moment, the Father said, this is my beloved Son. Look at the very next chapter, the very next verse, right after this affirmation. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, chapter 4, verse 1, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry, verse 3. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to be, become bread. But he answered and said, it is written. I wanted to give you a little foreshadow how to defeat identity theft. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, verse 6, and said to him, if you are the son of God, second temptation, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. Hmm. Devil's quoting scripture. And that's a true scripture, by the way. That's in the Bible. He will give his angels charge of you. And their hands shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said, it is written. Again, you shall not attempt the Lord your God. Attempt to the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. Verse 9, and he said, these things I will give you if you will just fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Verse 11, then the devil left him. Say that the devil left him. Look at me. I want to break these three temptations down real quick. Oh, this is going to be so good. I saved the best for last. Temptation number one. Say temptation number one. Temptation number one, Satan comes in and he attacks Jesus' sonship by asking him to do something. Watch this. We went over that. By asking to prove that he did it. How, how does that relate to 2017 version? You just fell yesterday. Prove that you're a Christian. Prove, prove. You better prove to God that you still love him because you fell miserably. Those accusations. You fell miserably with that boyfriend. You fell miserably with that girlfriend. You, fell, you, you need to prove now because you're no longer worthy. to be. You're not going to call the woman of God anymore. All of a sudden, these doubts. Do you know what the devil said in the very, do you know the very first temptation? I'm going to quiz you. The very first temptation known to man was not sexual immorality or drugs. It was, did God say? Genesis 1. Genesis 3. Did God say that you really can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of fruit and evil? Of course he said it, but he wants to doubt so he could steal. Doubt comes first, stealing comes second. 
Temptation? Oh, yeah, I felt that. Some of you are battling with doubt, and you got to be careful because you can still sustain for a little bit. But if you let doubt go on for a long time, identity will be stolen. Second temptation. So wait, wait, watch. First temptation, how did Jesus overcome identity theft? By quoting the word. Jesus, being the word, had to use the word to defeat the enemy who's trying to steal his identity. How much more do we need to know the word and use the word? If Jesus being the son, you can't defeat temptation when it comes to identity theft by your experience. You can't say, devil, now yesterday I went to the glory room. I went to the throne room. I prayed for five hours, and the Lord zapped me up to the third heaven, so you better leave me alone. I'm pretty special to God. No experience will help you sustain yourself in that day. It's, it is written. Now watch this. Now watch this. Watch this. The second temptation. Satan comes in and said, okay, he's pretty affirming his, his identity. Let me go further. If you are the son of God, commit suicide because the Bible in Psalm, he didn't quote Psalm, but he was quoting Psalm. Psalms 91 says the angels are there to bear you up. He was actually quoting scripture. The second temptation is now the devil will use the word to twist the word to get you to steal your identity, to not see your self-worth because he will now use scripture against you. The enemy will use certain scriptures and twist it to try to get you to doubt your identity. But he had bad news because you can't twist the word to the word. Did you hear what I just said? You can't twist the word to the word. The word was standing right there and he's trying to, he's trying to script the scriptures to the scripture. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, you said, no, I know what I said. And this is what my father said. So he combated the twisted, perverted word with an authentic word. It is written. You should not tempt the Lord your God. The devil's like, Man, I can't get him either. Thirdly, all right, third and last one. All right, I, I get that you, you know that you're the son of God, but hey, why don't you just bow down? I, I, listen, I'll give you all of this if you just bow down and worship me. Look at this. He, the third temptation is all about trying to get Jesus to compromise who he is by having a momentary pleasure. But here's the thing. Jesus was not in it for a quick fix like some Christians are. We're not in it for like we're doing good for two months or three months. Hey, I, I could get a little quick fix now because I deserve it because I've been good for six months. No. He didn't want a quick fix because he knew that his father owned everything. So if his father owned everything, what can the devil do to give him that he never had himself to give him in the first place? When you and I know that our father owns everything and that we're fully accepted, we'll say, devil, my father has already given me what you're offering and then some. Why would I scoop lower? Watch this. Here's the, here's the most important thing. And, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. After these three temptations of attacking his identity, the Bible in verse 11. Put verse 11 up there. The Bible in verse 11. Oh, I read this and it stood out to me. Then the devil left him. The devil will leave you when you've proven the test of him trying to steal your identity. And you stand firm, and you stand firm in the word of God. You stand firm in who you are, and you quote scripture about who you are. No, no, I was healed. No, somebody said, well, no, you're not really healed from your past. No, 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 I know what God did to me. And it'll start giving you doubt. And you stand firm that the Lord says, no, I am delivered. I really am free. I really am delivered and free. When you quote the word, and when it comes to identity theft, the devil will leave you. I want you to stand up. Come on, I want you to stand up. You know why? Because today we're going to pray right now, right now. We're going to pray. I know we're getting a little late in time. But today we're going to pray right there in your seats. I want everyone 
right now. You know what I, what, what I want to do? I want you to get in groups right now, if you can, with your family of four, three or four or five. Get with somebody right now. Get, hold hands with them right now. We're going to contend to get our identity back. Come on. We're going to contend to get our identity back. I want you to hold hands with somebody. We're going to worship right now. Listen, for the next two minutes, I want you to open up your mouth and say, God, I'm going to get my identity back. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.